0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Klaus of the Heart podcast, powered by Anchor.fm. I am Jason Klaus. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to give us a listen here. And um, uh, right out of the gate, uh, I just want to let the listeners know that uh, after spending the last uh, two episodes kind of talking about the coronavirus thing, we're going to go uh, to a different topic, and this is going to be a wrestling-related topic, specifically um, another uh, chapter, if you will, in the history of the Michigan Wrestling Organization. But before I get into to today's topic, I wanted to address an email that I got, or a, a message uh, from a listener who questioned whether or not I... I was a sick myself because apparently I sounded like um I wasn't sounding myself or anything like that and there were long um long period longer periods of time where I wasn't saying anything or you know they I don't, it was a concern apparently and uh, let me assure you uh that is not the case I I feel perfectly fine and um I at this point, I I feel great. I don't feel like I have anything at at, at this particular point. Um, a lot of times, what you're hearing is, you know, as I talk, you know, the more I talk, as I don't have a co-host or anything like that, so uh, you know, the longer I talk, my my uh, my throat starts to dry out, my mouth starts to dry out, so I got to take a second or two and. You know, take a swig of water or coffee or what, whatever the case may be. So that's that's what you're hearing. You know, uh, appreciate your concern, but I assure you that everything is is a okay. So, um, it is as of this recording. It is two o'clock on Sunday morning, and um, my brain <laughs> is on on opposite. Uh, I'm I'm still in the whole third shift mind frame here as far as my sleep schedule goes. I'm I'm just all messed up right now. Um sat down on the couch and I'm just, I'm just gonna re- relax for a couple of minutes. The next thing you know, I'm waking up at Eleven thirty, going on 12 o'clock midnight and everybody's sleeping and uh, <laughs> man, what 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 the hell happened there but um so yeah it's two o'clock in the morning on sunday today we are going to dive into um another chapter in the history of the michigan wrestling organization and we're going to cover 1995 to, to uh to 1999 and um one of the wrestlers had sent me a message. They had listened to the last episode and where I kind of talked, gave kind of a preview of what we were going to talk about today. And he's like, why are you lumping, you know, so many years into one episode? Well, the truth of the matter is, during the first few years of the MWO, we weren't running monthly shows. Uh, We weren't, you know, we weren't all gung-ho and... You know, embarking on a crazy schedule because we were still very much in in our infancy in in terms of getting ourselves established and coming up with with an actual game plan. Um, if you did not listen uh, to the creation of the MWO episode of the podcast, I you would I would probably suggest you put this one on pause. Uh, go through the archives and look for that episode listen to that episode because it uh, kind of lays the groundwork for you know what we're going to talk about on this episode so um, back in 1995 um, you know there we were very much just getting the ground under our feet you know we were just trying to come up with, with something that would get us to WrestleRama 1 and and I talk about that in in the other episode that takes you from the very creation the very thought the very idea of uh establishing a promotion up into uh WrestleRama 1 now um coming off of WrestleRama 1 we felt pretty good we felt like um uh, we had done something worthwhile. We felt like um, it wasn't a complete waste of time, and it was—it certainly wasn't something to be overly embarrassed about. Um, although, you know, given the, the state of, of our equipment at that time and the platform that we, we had to use for a ring, we knew after WrestleRama, and although the people stayed for the whole show up until, you know, the end of the main event, Um, while we were kind of riding an emotional high, you know, that, okay, people kind of dug that, you know, we really want to expand on this. Um, we knew we had to get better looking equipment, more professional equipment or, or else this thing was not going to go very far. Um, now let me back up. A little bit, a couple of days before uh, Wrestle Rama One. Now that was held on April the 21st. Um, I believe it was April the 19th that the uh, the Oklahoma City bombing took place, and we saw on the news. Anybody that was watching the news at that time, just the utter destruction. Of, of this bomb going off at this federal building and so many lives lost, so many people injured. And there was a, uh, a concerted effort to get, um, you know, money and supplies and help and, you know, really raise awareness and funds for the people in Oklahoma City and... I, b- I believe it it was the day before R- Russell Rama that we sat down the three of us m- myself Jason Cloyd, Todd Grossbauer um sat down and um at that time Todd's uh first wife Holly was involved with uh, kind of the b- behind the scenes um, aspects of the company, as uh, as was my friend Nicole, and um, you know, we sat down and started figuring out. You know, may, maybe we should try to do a benefit show, and try to help out these people in in Oklahoma. And Holly and Nicole, um, while we were getting ready for WrestleRama One, they um, started making phone calls, and the next thing you know. As we were setting up the Hadley Town Hall for WrestleRama, um, they came in and said, hey, we we went and booked this event. We're going to have it at another venue. Um, we have it set for, I believe it was two weeks after Rama. And it was something that we could build off of. And um, we were going to call it Operation Oklahoma and... Um, it was, you know, r- really quick. We we're like, "Oh wow, we're we're going to do a couple of shows here in the close proximity of time, right?" Um so we we kind of wrote r- WrestleRama to set up for for this Operation Oklahoma show and we were going to have it at the Lapeer County Center building which is um kind of one of the go-to venues in the city of Lapeer, a lot of parties and weddings and receptions and uh, things of this nature. Um, they're primary. They were primarily known for for bingo at that point. Um, but one one of the more popular, more uh, well known uh, venues in in Lapeer County. So we do WrestleRama. And, uh, everything that went into that, we were, we were feeling pretty good about it. And, um, one of the things that we came away with, uh, after doing Rama was this, uh, swell of interest from like kids that had come to the show that wanted to learn how to wrestle. They wanted to be a part of wrestling and several of our friends, um, saw what, what we were doing, and they wanted to get on board, so the next thing you know is like, okay, we, we have some raw talent, we have, um, you know, more than a handful of people, it's really gonna have, you know, really cut down on, um, guys having to do double, triple duty, um, having to put on different gimmicks and costumes and things of this nature, and, uh, So we started, you know, we we took a piece of paper, kind of split it down the middle. You had Russell Rama on one side, you had Operation Oklahoma on the other, and how was one going to relate to the other? Uh, So we did Rama. It was a success for all intents and purposes. Uh, We go into Operation Oklahoma and uh that drew very well i mean better than than i anticipated because like i said we only had a couple of weeks to really get the word out but stemming from wrestlerama a lot of the same people that were in hadley um went to la you know it's not a not a terrible distance or anything like that it was uh doable and um we wound up doing two shows within a couple week period and Again, we um, still use the pallets and the tables and things of this nature for for the ring, but um, what people were getting invested in was not necessarily what we were performing on, but it was the stories that we were telling, the storylines that we were building. Um, At that time, Grossbauer's character, uh, the Marauder, uh, was our number one heel, and um, you know, just the the dastardly bad guy who would do anything he could to cheat to get the win or whatever. And um, we we knew that a lot of what we were going to do was going to revolve around this rivalry between my character and 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 Grossbauer's character. Uh, because if for nothing else, we knew that we were going to be at at every show, you know, and um, but uh, some some of our friends came on board. Um, some, uh, it, I mean, they had you could tell right out of the gate they they had they had some raw talent. They had something that that made them stand out, and I'm like, man, we are in a good position here. Uh, we did Operation Oklahoma, and um, I think we raised I don't know four or five hundred dollars or something like that uh, that we wound up donating to the American Red Cross and for their their efforts to help the people in Oklahoma City. Uh, so we we were feeling pretty good. Um, you know, I was pretty confident that. Uh, we really were on the right path here. We just had to figure out how we were going to get, make you know, tighten up the presentation and make it look more professional. Um, going into Memorial Weekend, we were—I uh, was working at at the gas station, and uh, one of the council people for the town of Hadley came through, um, and again. Um, for those who did not listen to the first episode, at the time I was working at the at the Hadley Shell station, which was a full service gas station where people would pull up and you pump their gas and check their oil and wash your windshield and the whole nine yards. And uh, they were putting the final touches on the 4th of July f- festivities. Now, Back in the day, and I'm not quite sure how it is nowadays because I could not tell you the last time I spent a 4th of July uh, in in the town of Hadley, but when we were kids, that was... That was one of the dates that that just circled on on the calendar because the town went all out for the Fourth of July. They had an annual huge parade and food vendors and uh different arts and crafts and a big pancake breakfast put on by the lions club and and you know just it just was a really big deal. I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people came into town on that one day. And, um, you know, when we were kids, we would, you know, every year without fail, I mean, unless there was a thunderstorm or something going on, we would go down, ride our bikes into town, meet up with our friends that, that were there. And, um, kind of t- take part in the, you know, watch the parade and, and everything that went along with it. So we were approached to do a show at the town hall, um, immediately following the parade as an effort to keep people in town. And I thought, oh, my goodness, this this is fantastic. This is like like a dream come true. You know, for me, Growing up in Hadley and knowing the significance of the 4th of July, for me, this was like getting booked at um, Madison Square Garden or something like that. I mean, it was a huge deal, and I was so taken aback that they thought enough of what we were doing that they would have us you know, in, in involved in this thing. So, you know, we were quick, I was quick to start making phone calls to the guys who were affiliated with the company, but, you know, with it being the 4th of July, um, a, lot of the, a lot of the guys who were working with us had plans, they were going up north, they were going out of town, they had their own thing going on and weren't available to work the show, which was fine, so we decided real quick that uh, uh, we were going to have to go the tournament route. Um, you just have a tournament as the centerpiece of the show and we would ultimately crown a new Great Lakes champion. Um, because back at WrestleRama, I had actually, um, answered an open challenge by the High Flyer, which, uh, was portrayed by a, by a gentleman named Brandon Irwin and, um, You know this this was going to be a one-off for him and uh we had decided that uh, well the storyline was going to go um he he was ultimately going to become part of this new bad blood faction that gross power was going to start in his war against my character and so the idea was pitched and and uh we went with me uh, answering this open challenge. I took the Great Lakes title from him, but I wound up relinquishing it because I was already the MWO champion and we didn't want to have one guy have both belts. So we knew that we were going to do a tournament and we knew that doing the tournament format, it was going to reduce... um, the possibility of guys having to do multiple costume changes to portray two or three different characters, uh, we had enough people to run an eight man tournament. We also had enough for the for a tag team title defense and then a heavyweight title defense in which I would be defending the title against the crazy maniac, which was jason cloyd 's character. <coughs> Now, um, word spread pretty quickly that we were going to be a part of this thing. And the people in town, especially the ones that I knew, were really excited about it. And um, they asked us to be to have a representative in the parade, um, one of the other wrestlers. Um, his dad had a like a hot rod truck that they had built together, and it was going to be an entry into the uh, parade. So um, myself and uh, Dan was his name. Uh, we were sitting in the back of this truck. I had the MWO title belt with me. I, I remember there, there's pictures of, of it somewhere but I was wearing these um, these pants that had like the, the stars on one side, stripes on the other, had a red tank top on, and that's what I would essentially wrestle in later on that afternoon. But we went through town, and everybody's seen that we were doing the show. So um, by the time we got back to the hall, the rest of the wrestlers were already there. But by the time Dan and I had got back to the hall, there, there were so many people jam-packed inside. And, um, again, we went the pallets and the table route for the ring, but, um, um, we figured out a different way to kind of make it a little bit better to kind of better secure these two by fours that we were using for the ring posts and how the ropes were going to come into play. And, uh, I, I don't, there's there's aspects about the tournament itself that I remember, there's other aspects that I don't, because um, back then, I used to write a newsletter, it was like a six, sometimes eight page newsletter that would kind of tell backstories of, of the rivalries, and um, the superstars, and do personality profiles, and just, it was kind of like your guide to the company. If you were watching our show for the first time, you knew who was who, why there was an issue. Um, but it was it also served as like my documents to MWO history because when you do so many events, I mean, back then I could remember everything and who was who and who did what and but you know going into two and a half decades later, you're like, oh my God, I forgot that happened, right? So, um, but what I do remember from the 4th of July of 1995 is that was the day I damn near paralyzed uh, Jason Cloyd. And Jason has always been a, um, he was. He's always been very conscious about fitness and working out. You know, very strong guy, very impressive f- physique. He really went to great lengths to take care of his body, and he took a lot of pride in it. And uh, when we were in school, his <clears throat> his senior year was my junior year. We we were separated by year. Um we instead of you know actually participating in in gym class or f- physical conditioning i think they called it uh where you would go in and work out and you know you utilize a weight room we were on on the wrestling mats screwing around trying different things and towards the the end of the year um it was by that point of the year we had already gotten our final grades so we were kind of given free reign to do whatever we wanted so he and i decided we were going to have a powerbomb contest and uh to see how many times um i could powerbomb him on on these mats and these were much softer mats than your traditional um Amateur wrestling mats that they use for for competitions and tournaments and things. Uh, these ones that we were using were, were more like tumbling mats, and you know, so there was there was a lot more give. And uh, I want to I I get the number wrong, and I know he'll if if he was here, he would be able to um, tell you exactly how many we stopped at. I want to say it was either six or seven. Um, in, in in a row because at that point he was you know he's a, a, a bigger guy and it was it took a lot for me to continue to pick him up over my head invert him and then br- bring him down safely um, but we were talking about the match at the 4th of July and we kind of looked at it and we kind of geared it as if this was our version of Hogan versus Warrior because he wore the face paint, he put the tassels on, he had the big muscular body, whereas I I was the sentimental hero, I was the flag bearer for the company, you know. And and even though we were not even in our first year of operation, you know, it was it was quick it was quickly established that um, you know, I was the senior member of of the roster, and this guy was an up and comer and you know so we kind of based everything around the hogan versus warrior concept now um we we were we did the match we uh we planned out a few few different spots and it was going off without a hitch the the people were invested. The crowd was literally split in the middle. He had his fans, I had mine. It was our perfect Hogan Warriors scenario. And we talked about a power bomb spot, but we did not talk about breaking our personal power bomb record that we had set at school on these tumbling mats and um we were kind of going into the climax of the match, kind of coming down on the, on the other side and getting ready to take it home. We had already known um, what we wanted to do with this match. And um, I picked him up to whip him into the corner. And when I followed in with a, with a clothesline, he said, break the record. And I kind of looked at him. And I, and I mouthed the word what, and he said, break the powerbomb record. And I came out to the middle of the ring and he come charging at me and I kicked him in the gut and picked him up, powerbombed him and the place exploded with that one move and he got right back up. No, sold that shit like like it like it never happened. And I did it again. And I did it again. And to, I mean to the point to where the crowd started counting along with us, and they were popping on every one. And I think we got to the fifth or sixth one, and I could tell he it, it was starting starting to to take its toll on him, and. I went to call another spot and he said no another and I think we got up to either seven or eight and what whichever one it it would have been um, it it broke the record it broke our personal record. And um, I went down for the pin. I asked him if he was okay. He said, I think so. He kicked out on two. We went into the, the, the finish of the match where we actually had him win the MWO championship. And because uh, we were planning on a, on a big long reign with him because being in my position you know yeah there was three of us that kind of created the company but i was the one whose name was on all the paperwork and and everything and um so i had a more vested interest and i really wasn't interested in in having the championship on me given my behind the scenes role. So that's why we were going to go with cloyd and uh Our match was semi-main because we did the uh, the tournament finals for the main event, and it was Grossbauer against the Dragon Slayer Shiro Nakami, which was a Japanese-based character, but uh, it was portrayed by Jason Harrison. And we had them that we knew that we were going to go into a rivalry with those two. And uh, we had Gross Bauer win the tournament. He won the Great Lakes Championship. And, um, you know, it it, it started off on kind of a sour, or ended on a sour note because people hated Gross Bauer. Um, He played played the heel role so well. And then we sent uh, the Crazy Maniac, the new MWO champion, out there to have kind of uh, like a face-off. And that's how the show ended. But I noticed, um, you know, by the time we got done with the show and we started tearing down and putting the chairs up and stuff, Jason was not moving very well. Uh, the adrenaline started wearing off and, and, and things. He's like, man, I am really sore. And then we started to, to disassemble the platform. Now, keep in mind, um, the floor of the ring were, was used by, uh, by banquet tables. And there was just a little bit of padding on top of that. Uh, we certainly didn't have the luxury of the tumbling mats that we did when we were screwing around in school and um, when we peeled the padding back, we realized that we had blasted holes through two of the tables, and these were thick ass tables. <clears throat> I mean you you could see through to the floor of the town hall. I mean, we just, we, <laughs> the amount of times that I power bombed him, we put, I blast literally through a table, you know, through two tables. And uh, it was the morning after he, he called me. He's like, I can't move. And I, like, I thought he was just kind of over-exaggerating. And he's like, no, I literally cannot move. I can't stand up I can't roll over I feel everything but I can't I'm having a hard time moving and that unfortunately would um, be the last time that he would ever step foot in 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 a wrestling ring as a wrestler you know the day he won the heavyweight championship was his last day that he was able to wrestle and you know i am i am responsible for that and i i think about it all the time and 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 to this day i don't think i've done another power bomb since then because it just i don't feel comfortable doing that i don't knowing what kind of damage that i did to somebody who means the absolute world to me um you know that it, it messed with me for a long time and granted you know, and he and he and he would tell me, "Look, I'm the one that that told you, and I'm the, you know, it was my call. This did it, it didn't do anything to make me feel any better by any stretch of the imagination, but um, it it was what what it was, and you know, if, if for nothing else, it was a very stark lesson learned, and uh, you know, to this day." i I think about it all the time because he could have he could have been the greatest superstar this organization has ever seen and uh and I screwed that up for him and and i well, like i said i feel bad about that uh we just we r- realized you know what the severity of it was but but the the good thing if there was a good thing was we didn't uh we didn't have any immediate shows following. In fact, uh, because of the injury, I kept writing the monthly newsletters as kind of fill the backstory, but we didn't book another live event um, until September um, in Hadley. And that was a very small show. We didn't really hardly advertise. It was just kind of like a glorified uh, dress rehearsal. We had some people in the crowd there, but uh, we did it more or less to further the storylines and kind of get something on on videotape and kind of build off that. But we did we did make the plans to create our next supercard, which would have been the the Christmas class show, and we wanted that to be different from WrestleRama and um, the Fourth of July show. In that, you know, those events took place at what was our home venue of the Hadley Town Hall, we moved it, we, we booked the Christmas show at the center building. So it was a different layout, a different atmosphere. And, um, you know, we knew going into Christmas Clash, Cloyd was out. Um, we really had to re- reconfigure who was 100% on board with us, who was not. Uh, we had to plan accordingly, and uh, we had I actually take the title off off of the crazy maniac character. Uh, we had it held up in a fatal four way um, elimination match, uh, which I would win. It was it was determined that I would get the title back because, again, you know, I know we knew that I was going to be at every show, and that Grossbauer was going to be at every show, and. It was, uh, you know, we needed to make sure that our title holders were going to be there, and then we would figure out who was who was with us, who wasn't, who could we, you know, rely on, and we would write our storylines that way. Um, we also realized that um, we were going we were going to have you know Gross Bauer lose the Great Lakes title, further his rivalry with uh, Shiro Nagami, and. Um, kind of focus on on getting more guys in there so we can boost up our tag team division. The tag team titles were held by a team, the original Demons of War. Going into uh, 1996, um, I think we did three live events in 1996. Four. We did four live events. Um, and, uh, one was in Lapeer, the others were in Hadley and, uh, because of the way things were, were structured schedule wise, um, we did kind of like a house show and then we did, um, the 4th of July again, I think we called it the all, the all-star Slam or, or something along those lines. Um, we did WrestleRama 2, which was uh, held in November of that year, November the 22nd. That was at the Hadley Town Hall. And then we had, um, it may have been two weeks later, we did Christmas Clash and closed out in 96. And we started to get more people involved and... Uh, the bad blood thing, the bad blood storyline um it was really kind of uh it 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 was doing well it was our primary storyline, but grossbauer's roster of group members was changing so quick it was it was d- diminishing um what what the faction could be i mean they were still the dominant force and you know, me being playing the role of hero, I had to find ways to overcome him and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, th- this is the time of this was the time that Skulls made his MWO debut. Skulls started to become a thing. He actually debuted at the 95 Christmas Clash and people immediately gravitated toward him. And uh, we made the decision that we were going to put him. Uh, with Grossbauer in Bad Blood, um, just because we knew that we wanted to build up the Skull's character, and uh, in in doing so, we wrote him as the you know through the newsletters and stuff. Because like I said, we weren't really doing a lot of live events that we could fit you know physically and publicly build him up. So we built him up. From a, a behind-the-scenes t- type of thing, with you know all these backstories and how Gross Bauer recruited them and all this, so um, we knew going into WrestleMania two that this uh, this monster, this undefeated phenom, this you know the resident reaper of of the MWO was coming to conquer and bury you know the basher and all this stuff and um storyline wise I was I was very happy with it and you know the match went off fairly well uh the gentleman that was uh doing the the character did did very very well and I came away feeling Man, okay, we didn't do a whole lot of business in 96, but, you know, we got new talent, we have a renewed interest, we did a great WrestleRama, and although it wasn't nearly as uh, attended by as many people as WrestleRama 1 had, I still felt good, because we still had, we were still telling good stories, and we were still doing, um, you know, very compelling um, events, we just, you know, we were making traction, but, but we weren't gaining miles, you know, so we were kind of still finding out who and what we were and how we were going to get back to where, you know, continue our, our, our climb. Um, now going into 90, 1997, Um, 97 was probably the one year that I really, you know, we hit significant setbacks and we were still doing events. We were going, I don't know, once every eight weeks I would run out the Hadley Town Hall to, you know, to, to get the structure in there just, just to kind of fine tune our product kind of do dress rehearsals, tape them, kind of figure out what's working, what's not, what can we do to improve. Um, In 97 is when Initial Destruction came in, Mark and Mike Reynolds. And these two guys, um, they were affiliated with the other organization that I had kind of started my journey with in Oakland County. And they were two of the guys that really um, stood out among everybody else. Just, I mean, they were they were bigger guys. They were talented. They had some sort of wrestling experience. And, and, and they believed in the company. And they believed in what we wanted to do with it. And they came in with with the intention of trying to help boost morale to boost the credibility of the show and um you know they were brothers they were a tag team they were a damn good tag team and uh there was no way that uh you know in my opinion I was like there's no way they're they're going to stick around and um uh, and, and you know they did because they they believed in what I was doing and uh they wanted to do their part to to really help out Um, behind the scenes. We became great friends of mine. I became friends with their entire family. And they were just, man, the impact that they left with me personally and with the company as a whole was something that is still felt to to this day. I mean, every year during the Achievement Awards banquet, we hand out an award um, with their name on it you know for for professionalism and uh, that's one of the awards, awards that I I put a lot of stock into because of what those guys meant to me now they um they're since no longer with us but um you know it was in 97 that that they came in and they really um started to it changed the landscape of, of the entire promotion, and it was, um, they were the highlight of 1997, I, I can tell you that, um, we did WrestleRama 3 that year, we did WrestleRama 3 a week apart from Christmas Clash that year, uh, it was in December, and, um, we did the show on the 4th of July. We we did the 4th of July for several years in a row there. And uh, in 97, there was a respectable crowd, but the show itself was absolute. It was the drizzling shits, as they say. And, uh, you know, it was really at that time that I started questioning, man, you know, is everything starting to fall apart here? And we did... WrestleRama 3 we moved it to it was the first year that the center building had it and um I uh I came away very very disappointed with with Wrestlerama 3 we had um you know just a handful of people in the building and of course that was the one day that the Lapeer County Press came out and they took they took a respectable picture we did a rematch with myself and Skulls from the main event in a rest in peace match, and um, they took a respectable picture of it. They didn't show, um, they, I mean, they highlighted the two of us and Grossbauer. Grossbauer was was in uh, Skulls' corner for that night, and I just, uh, I knew that we were in trouble. Going into 98, We we knew that We know we had to change things around, but we were still getting new new talent. We were still getting new guys in, and we were still introducing these new characters. And they were coming up with their own ideas and things that made them stand out. So I mean, we were still doing storylines, and you know what we weren't doing in front of a live crowd. We were writing in in the newsletter to kind of add backstory and, but uh, morale was uh, starting starting to take a hit and um we it was getting very frustrating because you had a you had a group of guys that wanted to be wrestlers among that group you had a contingency of guys that would do whatever was asked with no questions asked um, to the best of their abilities, and then you had other ones that were just going in there and half-assing it and doing nothing to try to improve the overall quality of of the company in every aspect of, of the company from behind the scenes to what, what we were doing in, in the ring, and... We knew that we we had to make a change at at some point. We thought maybe shaking up the storylines and giving different people opportunities to carry the great lakes title or to um uh, by by this point um initial destruction was you know they were there was no doubt they were on the collision course with the demons of war and the demons of war were our top tag team there was no question that we were going to come into a situation to where we couldn't not put the titles on the Reynolds brothers. And uh, we wound up doing that in February of 98. And um, um, they those guys, you know, I know I just talked about them if, a few moments ago, but their contributions to try to help The company in every way possible is immeasurable. And, uh, but it just, at that point, it it wasn't enough. You could see that they were really starting to grow tired of some of the drama and the unnecessary BS that was going on behind the scenes. And uh, going into 1999, you know, we really looked at that because it was the last year of the decade. We were going into the 2000s and, you know, we really wanted to launch the company into this, you know, this new era, you know, because everything around us was entering this new era, this wide 2 k and everything. And, um, we were getting ready for WrestleRama 5 and, um. Russell Rama Five will probably be its own episode because there's so much meat on the bone from from behind the scenes. but what I will say is that um um my brother had come was coming back into the company, but no, nobody knew it, and uh he had taken a sabbatical after WrestleRama Two. He wasn't at three and um uh, and he wasn't at four either. And uh WrestleRama four is when we really started to ramp up the the schedule for for nineteen ninety eight. That's where we introduced Summer Smash and Trick or Slam. And uh we were almost ex- doing the majority of our shows at the Lapeer Center building. Um we had different equipment and, you know, we were kind of trying to make, make some headway going into 99 because of all the, all the, the significance of the year itself. We felt like, okay, we're, we're going to do something here. We're going to, this is going to be our year. This is going to be the catapult to a new era, the whole, you know, blah, 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 the whole nine yards. And, um, it was going in, into uh, WrestleRama 5. Uh, it was the first time that I just... I, it was the first time I remember dreading going into a show. Because I just... I, I knew what I was walking into. And um, it sucked. Because from a storyline per- perspective, I could not wait to get to a point to where... I wanted to play this this idea this angle out and I knew that if enough people saw it and enough people were invested in it that it would it would be the storyline that could really give us a shock to the system it would really g- give us a boost and for all intents and purposes um the angle was played out perfectly and this was this was what many of our fans and longtime fans and um roster members know as the Blue Bomber Scandal. And uh, you know, g- given the fact that I only have an hour time limit, you know, per episode on here, WrestleRama five is gonna have it's gonna to have to be its own um own episode. Um just because of everything that was going on behind the scenes and what, what we did that night and how it would ultimately set the stage for, um, one of the most pivotal points in the history of our organization from a behind the scenes standpoint, because it was, it was after Russell Rama five that I made the decision right then and there that enough is enough and something, something has got a break here, because we just we just pulled off an amazing storyline we pulled off a great show we pulled off the impossible for so in so many aspects um, WrestleRama Five would also be um one of the last times that initial destruction would work for the company they were uh, the family was moving out of state. They were going with them and, um, they, uh, I, I think they did two more events with us, um, after WrestleRama, but they did the honors. They, they dropped the tag team titles after, um, over a year long run with them. Uh, one of the, one of the longest uninterrupted title reigns in our history. Um, I had, uh, I had dropped the heavyweight championship on that night uh, after a considerable uh, uh, title reign myself. And, uh, you know, we felt like we were on the right path. And then, uh, you know, as soon as the last bell rang on the night of WrestleRama and all the bullshit that went on behind the scenes in the locker room as we were tearing down, uh, would really set the stage for what would be um, the day that the line was drawn in the sand essentially, and uh it would change the entire complexion the future of our company and um, would essentially you know make sure that the company would would go on because I can tell you that at at the end of the night when I got home on the night of WrestleRama 5, after everything was said and done and we had done the show, I was not 100% convinced that the company was going to go on. I wasn't convinced it was going to see WrestleRama 6. So um, we're going to leave it here for right now as far as the history of, of of the company. And Like I said, I know, you know, 96, 97, 98... You know, it's kind of a blur in terms of how this this episode was laid out. But I mean, quite frankly, it's because we weren't doing a whole lot, and um, you know, I don't really want to get into a situation where you know I'm I'm bad mouthing people. That's not what the show is about. You know. what i will say is you know there were several instances in that time frame where things were not handled properly both from the talent's point of view as as well as mine you know i'm i've made a tremendous amount of of, of mistakes along the way but i'd like to think that i've learned from them too and and granted i'm not ever going to be everybody's cup of tea um but I think those people who know me on any personal level know that if I get to a point to where I give up on a person, it's probably because the, it's the other person's doing and I've just had enough. And that certainly can be categorized here with, um, with the end of this particular chapter in, in the MWO's history. And, uh, you know, there's a lot more, um, to the backstory and, uh, we'll look, I'll look at the, at the calendar and kind of figure out, um, when we'll pick this story back up with just like a a WrestleRama 5 exclusive episode. So that, that'll be coming up sooner, probably rather than later. Um, as we wrap up this episode here, I'm, Closing in on the hour-long mark here, um, I just want to save, you know, and I say it all the time, and I, and I realize that, but you know, thank you so much for for your support and for listening to the show. You know, as long as long as people are listening, I'm going to continue to do it. It's fun for me. I'm um, I'm so grateful that I came across this uh, this platform here through anchor.fm to actually do a podcast and um, you know I'm still I'm still learning as I go here I'm still trying to find the format um, that's going to be most beneficial something that's going to keep you guys engaged and that's why I'm kind of all over the place here in terms of topics you know i started close to the heart as like a motivational thing um and that's really what i aim to ge- to gear towards but um you know as the name would imply i'm i'm going to tackle these things that are close to me that means something to me and yes wrestling is one of those things especially when i'm talking about the history of of the mwo um, but we're certainly not going to make that the, the dominant format for this podcast. We are still looking to to do episodes that are going to motivate, maybe inspire you to, uh, you know, if you're having a rough time, rough, you're having a rough patch, you're dealing with a situation you may not know how to deal with. Um, p- perhaps I can give you a story or an example or something similar this is how i did it this is how i this is how somebody i knew tackled it you know maybe kind of give you a different perspective here but we certainly appreciate all of your feedback and uh, if you have any feedback good bad or indifferent or ideas for the show or anything like that please do not hesitate to drop us an email at heart at gmail.com or you can find us on Facebook at Klaus to the Heart. Send us a direct message there. I read every single one that comes in. So with that being said, um, thank you so much for taking time out to listen to this episode. And uh, above all else, man, take care of yourselves and each other, especially in 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 this day and age and this... Uh, COVID-19 pandemic that we're all dealing with and continue to deal with. Just uh, take care of yourselves and each other, and we will see you soon.